It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to talk about the matchup everyone around the world is talking about or or maybe it's just me it's Goga Batadze Mo Wagner for backup center we're gonna go over that again plus Powell in the post and Team USA advances to the second round it's time for Locked On Magic you are Locked On Magic your daily Orlando magic podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is September 1st, 2023. My name is Philip Rossmanike. I'm the site expert and editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to go over something that we chatted a little bit about on our last episode, but we got to see it on the court. Goga Batadze versus Mo Wagner and the training camp battle on the horizon. Plus, Team USA meets its biggest challenge in Nikola Vucevic, how they fared, and why Paolo Bancaro in the post was both something the U.S. was afraid to see and maybe not. We'll get to that. Plus, Joe Ingles is struggling to shoot as Australia bows out of the competitive part. They still have one more game. Uh, the competitive part of this World Cup. We'll chat a little bit about his struggles coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. It's in all caps, so you know it's real. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. You know, I, I, I could have easily started this podcast by talking about, you know, talking about the U.S. struggles uh, and, and their concern with size. And, um, you know, it, 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 we're going to get to that. I, you know, I want to talk about that because obviously I know most of us are in the U.S. And, and and it was a big game. It was an interesting game that the U.S. played against Montenegro. We'll dive into a lot of those details in a moment. But I was watching the Germany-Georgia uh, the Germany uh, Georgia game. And look, I expected Germany to win. I expected them to win pretty easily. Georgia is an interesting, plucky team. They played hard. They have nothing to be ashamed about. 
they got caught really with two bad stretches where they just could not score in Georgia took what was a very close game, made it a comfortable like 12 to 15 point game. And then Maldolo started hitting threes and Ope started hitting threes and Demon started hitting threes. Uh, and all those threes started to go down. And that's when the game just kind of ended and changed for, for, for Germany. And, and, and that turned what was a very competitive game into a 27, 28, 29 point point game. And look, I, I don't think Georgia deserved a, a loss of that magnitude. They played a lot better than that. Um, and they showed that throughout the course of the game. You know, like, look, I, uh, Tornike Shingalia is a fantastic player, and he had his struggles in this one. Um, Georgia really just could not sustain enough offense. And look, we expected that. Georgia is happy, just happy to be in the tournament. They're happy to... To, to, to just be present there. Uh, and, you know, it, it is what it, it is what it is at a certain point. Um, you know, it, it, they, they, they've got a great basketballing future and, 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 and look, our guy Gogo Batadze is part of that. And, that. and that's really what I was watching at the end of the day because, you know, really throughout this tournament, both Gogo Batadze and Mo Wagner have played really, really well. Mo Wagner has been part of key fourth quarters for Germany to really help them extend and 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 and, and uh, spread their leads out. Um, the uh, Goga Batadze's done the same of you know coming off the bench but playing starters minutes, just being so active on the glass and, and adding a bit of mobility and fluidity to to Georgia's offense. They have they have played really well, and it's going to lead us to this big quandary that's coming. There there is a quandary coming for the Orlando Magic. And training camp now is almost exactly one month away. October 2nd is media day. October 3rd is the first practice of training camp. We are getting very, 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 very close to this thing starting. And thank you, World Cup, for giving us two weeks, uh, you know, a week and a half, two weeks um, of basketball to actually talk about. But we are getting very, 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 very close to the start of the NBA season. And, and it's obviously one we're all very, very excited about. And one of the, the battles we're expecting to see, or one of the big decisions that the Magic have to make rotation-wise until injury hits, but uh, at, at least at fully full health, one of the big decisions the Magic have to make is at that backup center spot. And we talked a little bit about this on our last episode, but now we have a game where both Goga Batadze and Mo Wagner showed us exactly why they're really good, and exactly why the Magic do have a you know I'm not going to say they're perfect options. I'm still a big advocate of the Magic needed to get a, a starter quality center, but the Magic do have very serviceable players to fill that role. Assuming Wendell Carter's healthy, um, they have two very good options. And then if you're choosing between Mo Wagner and Goga Batadze, it does feel really close. It does feel like it is uh, something that uh, that they're going to have to decide. Uh, in the 173 win for Germany, uh, Bo Wagner was excellent. 14 points, four for seven shooting, seven rebounds, five assists. What makes Bo Wagner really unique, and or what makes Bo Wagner special, is that he can play both inside and out. He's an effective post-up player. He is a solid three-point shooter for his size. He he, he could roll hard in the basket, or he could pop the three-point line. That's that's something that defenses have to account for. While I would agree his rim protection is not particularly strong, he is good positionally defensively. And now he's got that little bit of element where he can maybe make a couple plays and move the ball a little bit. 
Mo Wagner never does more than he knows he can do. He plays his role perfectly. And his ability to hit threes is, is a big deal. It's a big edge. Except that Goga Batadze also is at least hinting that he can start making threes a little bit more. It was something that he was working on, something that was he's trying to add to his game. We didn't get to really see it with the magic. He kind of kept to he kind of kept to the rivers and the lakes that he's used to. Um, you know, just did the things that he was really good at, and he was really good at them for for the magic last year. But Tadze uh, uh, had a really, had a really, 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 really solid game as well. He scored 15 points, four for eight shooting, made five of six free throws. He's been getting, he's been eating at the foul line all tournament long. He's been scoring a ton of points on few few goal attempts, adding six rebounds. So rebounds were a little off this game as opposed to, to his previous games. Um, the Tadze did go two for five from three, which means three of his four field goal misses were three-pointers. And, and at a certain point, Georgia just got kind of desperate and uh, kind of, you know, started pushing and pressing offense instead of running their stuff. And obviously that just, you know, when you're at the bottom of a hole, digging is going to make you go deeper instead of trying to dig yourself out. Um, that's that's where that phrase comes from. But Tadze is more of the traditional center. He's more of the bruiser, the, the, the banger on, on the block. Uh, better rim protector for sure, although that hasn't necessarily been on display. It, you know, he's been fine. I'm not going to say he's been terrible at, at that in this tournament, but he's not like swatting shots like he was in Orlando. Um, but Todd's, these, these two players have skill sets and they both offer something. And, and to me, that's the exciting part. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know who's going to play backup center. Um, you know, just even watching these this game where they're both playing each other. I said, you know, Mo Wagner probably does a little bit more for you. And especially if you have Jonathan Isaac playing next to him, you've got a rim protector. You got someone that can clean up around the basket a little bit more. You got Jalen Suggs to help cover up defensively. You might even have Anthony Black to cover up a little bit defensively. So maybe those defensive issues, and I talked about the paint problem in an earlier episode too. Uh, I believe I did. If not, I've posted about it plenty on, on Orlando Magic Daily and on the Orlando Magic Hub. Um, the... Wagner, there's a way to cover up for Wagner's weaknesses and really take advantage of, of his offense. And so I, I, at this point, I give him the edge. But you're not going to make that decision based off of a World Cup game when players are playing under different contexts. And honestly, both played well. It's not about Goga playing poorly. The The bottom line is, too, Goga Batadze kind of took the job from Mo last year. So maybe he's the incumbent. I, I don't know. They're both good options. And they both played very, very well in this FIBA World Cup tournament. Um, you, know, you know, again, Georgia has nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, Mo Wagner has really stepped up his game. He's been one of the guys that have really played well to make up for the absence of Franz Wagner, who missed his third consecutive game with the ankle injury. Still not clear if he's going to be back for Sunday's game against Slovenia. We'll talk about the, that game in a minute. Um, Sunday's game against Slovenia. Winner of that game wins the group, gets the advantage. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the winner of this the winner of this group avoids the U.S. until the finals. Um, not that that's a bad thing because the quarterfinals are tough on that side of the bracket. The U.S.'s side of the bracket is very very easy, assuming they are able to beat Lithuania uh, on Sunday. Um, but but if the, when it comes down to it. Um, the Magic have two really strong options at center. Um, you know, again, or, or two solid options at center. Uh, it is an area that I think the Magic might need to upgrade. And, you know, if we're going to talk 
the five-year plan instead of the two-year plan, maybe the center position is one for a total upgrade on uh, both starter and bench, but that's that's an argument for another day. Um, and something Wendell Carter is going to try and prove wrong this year, which I hope he does because I really like Wendell Carter. Um, but for the Magic this year, they should feel comfortable that they have internal competition there, that they have two guys that can battle it out and get the job done and, and, and help this team get where it needs to go. We will get more Goga Batadze versus Mo Wagner fodder when we get to training camp in a month. For now, Germany and Mo Wagner got the better end of Goga Batadze and Georgia. So what about Team USA? I know that's what you all probably really care about. How Team USA struggled in their win over Montenegro and how Paolo Bencaro played a little part on it in, in his new role as center. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first... A quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. We are in the countdown to the NFL season. Less than one week to go, and you should get ready for that NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you will not want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I want to thank you again for making uh, Locked On Magic part of your day every day coming out here late on a Friday. I wanted to get these games, get, get the recaps of, of the second round games in. We will be back for a new episode on Sunday to talk about the end of the second round, get you set for the knockout phase of the quarterfinals of the FIBA World Cup. Those begin Tuesday, so we'll have that to look forward to as well. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to that um, very 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 soon. So so get get very 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 excited. Uh, for all of that, but let's let's talk about Team USA. Now I'm gonna say I, I I think it's safe to assume I don't need to look at the numbers. It's safe to assume most of you are in the U.S. and and Team USA is of interest to us all. I'm a big promoter of, of the USA basketball program uh, and and want to see it do well and be better and all that stuff. Uh, and these two games in the second round, 
are super interesting to me because they're testing the U.S.'s biggest weakness. This U.S. team was not built to play big. This is even before we get to playing Palo at center. This U.S. team was built small. Jaron Jackson Jr. plays power forward for the Grizzlies. He yeah, plays alongside Steven Adams or Brandon Clark. He is not usually the guy front and center uh, for his team, for the Grizzlies. Uh, he's a great rim protector. He's allowed to kind of roam. He always has someone that guards the bigs uh, and guards the centers of this league. Um, the backups are Bobby Portis, undersized backup center, but solid backup center nonetheless, and then a rookie in Walker Kessler. So before we even get to adding Paolo Bancaro into the mix, this is small team. And then, and then the USA, of course, decided to play Palo Bancaro at backup center. And so these two opponents, Montenegro with Nikola Vucevic as the center, and then on Sunday, Lithuania uh, with Jonas Valanciunas uh, and Donatis Motoyunas as your backup centers, um, or as your centers, those are major challenges. And, and it was going to be interesting to see how the U.S. handled this challenge and whether their speed and athleticism would end up beating Montenegro. Uh, and then eventually Lithuania on Sunday too. It was a struggle, you know, if you watch the game. Like Montenegro came out, and I don't want to say they, they punched the U.S. in the mouth because that's not accurate, but they, they hung tough. Montenegro played the game of their lives and, and one of the best games in their program's history. They had real opportunities to win this game. The U.S. really was really frustrated could not hit a shot to save their lives, returning the ball over a little too much, just not able to get into a good flow. Um, you know, second quarter minutes with with that second unit with Tyus Halliburton, Austin Reeves, and Paolo Bancaro specifically, they were able to get a little bit of breathing room and get a little bit of distance and, and really start to push that lead out so the U.S. was in control. But the U.S. didn't really run and hide. They didn't build a 10-point lead until late in the fourth quarter. And, and it just, you could finally, like when they got to 10 points, you just feel this sigh of relief. It was just like, Okay, Montenegro can't can't get up on us now. Montenegro opened that door wide open with 20 plus turnovers, but the US just could not take advantage of them consistently, could not kind of build their lead out. At the end of the day, Montenegro managed 23 offensive rebounds. Nikola Vucevic had a double double in the first half, ended with 18.16 rebounds and seven offensive rebounds. Their size just gave the US problems, even though the US did ultimately win 85 to 73 and really had control over most of this game. This was a big test. And at the end of the day, Steve Kerr decided that Paolo could not play center in this game. Um, he did not like the matchup with Paolo on Vucevic or Paolo on any of the bigs that the, that the, that the, that Montenegro had. We ended up seeing, uh, seeing Bobby Portis play some center alongside Paolo. We ended up seeing Bobby Portis playing alongside Walker Kessler. Paolo played only 15 minutes in this game, tallying eight points, two for four shooting, uh, two for four from the foul line. I believe it was two for two for three uh, from the floor, four rebounds, not a bad game. You know, you take out that 21 point game, Paolo's averaging about eight points per game. He, he hit it. He hit his numbers and look, he looks super aggressive. Uh, he had that nice uh, spin move, spin move in the, that nice kind of around the back move uh, for dunk. He had another alley-oop dunk. Paolo is playing with a ton of confidence right now. Like the light bulb has clicked on for him. This whole idea of playing Paolo at center, though, um, has has uh, has sort of changed how the magic or how how 
Paolo is approaching these games and changed maybe how we think about how the Magic should use Paolo. Maybe some stats that we disregard and said, oh, the sample's too small, or you know, Paolo's never going to really be in this situation. We're suddenly kind of bringing back and dredging back up, back up and, and thinking about in a little bit different ways. We talked about his room protection plenty. He's been a crazy shot blocker in this tournament. We've talked about his defensive engagement on the perimeter, but really his defensive value has always been on the post. And all the numbers suggest that he is a decent, at least, a defensive presence on the post. Let's let's run through some numbers then. According to uh, according to NBA.com's tracking stats, um, according to Second Spectrum, opponents shot 65, 65.9% of the rim against Bain Caro. Not a great number, but according to uh, to to to, to uh, Basketball Index, uh, opponents shot three, you know, shot, uh, 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 you know, shot worse at the rim than expected uh, when Bancaro was defending them. Uh, he had 0.35 rim points saved per 75 possessions. In fact, looking at NBA.com's play play uh, uh, play data, tracking data, opponents scored only 0.78 points per possessions uh, and shot 16 for 40 on 50 total post-up possessions against them. So interesting idea that Paolo's actually a decent post defender. He had a positive defensive uh, post-defense rating, putting him in the 89th percentile plus 0.31 according to basketball index. Um, again, basketball index says opponents shot 3.10 percentage points worse than expected at the rim with Bancaro uh, as the closest defender. These numbers are intriguing. Um, you know, I, I think they a, say that Bancaro is a better post defender and, and paint defender than we might give him some credit for. Um, but I also think that they say, that they say that, okay, there, there, there's something at work here. You know, he struggles on the perimeter, no doubt about it. Doesn't quite have the foot speed, doesn't, doesn't quite have everything everything there yet. But there is reason to like him defensively. There is reason to think that he's got some pieces defensively that he can put together. Uh, and that is that is kind of what this tournament has shown. You know, I, I've had people come on the comments and say, Powell's not scoring enough. You know, your free throws are concerning and maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent about the free throws. I think he will get better at them. I think the ball is weird. And, and a lot of NBA players just don't like the FIBA ball. They don't like the molten balls. Um, and so you live with it. Um, but I do think that, I do think that Paolo has taken some really important steps defensively and has put himself in a spot where he is making a, a real impact. And there are numbers from his NBA season to suggest that, oh, when given the opportunity, when put in, in certain positions, he does have a few strengths defensively that, maybe we weren't paying attention to or, or maybe just weren't shown enough because of where he was placed defensively or the Magic's defensive schemes. It has been a good tournament. And, and while this was a tough matchup for him within his team context, and he still made an impact. He's still getting to the line two, three times a game with the limited minutes he's, he's getting. Paolo Bancaro is still a free throw machine. It does not matter what style of play he's playing. Paolo Bancaro is a free throw machine. So the Magic, you know, I, I don't think they're about to throw him on their best defensive, on the best offensive player on the other team, but 
I think this tournament is showing that that Bancaro does have a little defensive flexibility and versatility to him, and they can try and do different things. Now, do you want him going up against Nikola Vucevic or going up, you know, we'll see on Sunday against uh, Jonas Valanciunas? Do you want him going up against the best centers in the league? No, Wendell Carter is one of the best defensive centers in the league, and, and people don't talk about that enough. He is, he, he guards Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid better than just about anybody in the league. Um, you know, he's got help defensively, you know. But as the Magic begin to, like, tinker and think about lineups, Paolo's done enough and shown us enough this week uh, in this tournament and on this run to allow the Magic to be a little bit more flexible with themselves defensively. And, and of course, we'll we'll see how that all pans out. Joe Ingles at Australia are, they're not going home quite yet. They got a game on Sunday, but their tournament hopes are done. We will chat about one of the concerns for Australia, but also for the Orlando Magic coming up here in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So you could you could count me among among the people who were really excited to see the Magic take this chance and go after Joe Ingles. Um, I I really like this pickup. I, you know, I was banging the drum and banging the, the table for a veteran. Uh, and, and the Magic got a veteran, go- veteran guy. Like, I, I, I want – every team needs a horse grant. This Magic team needs a horse grant. And look, Joe Ingles may not quite be horse grant, but it, it, you get the concept. They needed a veteran. They needed someone who knows what to do can be a good influence and good locker room guy, provide some provide a spark when needed. But I really like Dingles too because he's he really fits into a lot of what the Magic want to do. He is a selfless uh, player who makes the right pass and the right reads typically. And probably most importantly, he is a fantastic shooter. And that more than anything, I think, is what has Magic fans excited. He's been a regular plus 30% uh, three-point shooter on decent volume. Even though he had a bit of a down year last year, still shooting 38% from three, even though his volume went down. And a lot of us kind of dismiss it as like, well, that was his ACL recovery year. He's going to be a lot better this year. The NBA might be different, and it is a small, small, small sample. Uh, but Joe Ingles has struggled in, in this tournament. Um, you know, I, I think he's still making great passes. I still think he's making great reads. You know, he's found pockets to score coming off the bench, but I do have a lingering concern that we're about to see the age drop off. Um, It happens for a lot of role players, especially where one day they're great and then the next day they can't do anything. Or one year they're great and the next year they can't do anything and it just all kind of leaves them. The whole NBA speed and processing leave them. And look, Engels is still going to make great passes. He's still going to organize. He's still going to do all those things. He's doing all those things for Australia. But so much of his value is tied into a shot. He is one of those players that 
that his effectiveness is based on his three point shooting. And look, Australia had every chance to beat Slovenia. They lost 91 to 80. Luka Doncic with just 19 points on four for nine shooting. The others got themselves going, and Australia just could not hit shots. It was an everyone problem. Josh Giddy scored 12 of his uh, uh, 20, uh, scored 12 point, 12 of his 25 points in the third quarter to get Australia back in the game. It was an uphill climb for them all game. And they really could have used a Joe Ingles for, you know, the ball just didn't work its way around to him. And when it did, he honestly looked to pass and wasn't looking to shoot. Ingles went scoreless again, missing all three of his three point attempts. He was 0 for 3. Um, and that brought him to 4 for 15 for the tournament, 26.7%. Now, 15 shots is a very small sample size. Um, so let's not go crazy over it. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, Australia is not a team full of shooters, which the Magic aren't either, but the Magic probably have more reliable shooting uh, around their star players than than Australia does. I mean, Australia's trotting out a lineup, Patty Mills, Josh Giddy, uh, uh, Matisse Seibel's playing for them. Uh, you know, essentially... In their starting group, only Patty Mills is a reliable three-point shooter. When Joe Ingles is out there, he's typically the only reliable three-point shooter. So, so the, the space isn't quite there, and the ball movement hasn't quite been there for Australia all tournament. They have not looked like the team that surprised everyone to get bronze uh, at the Olympics in Tokyo. This was a struggle for this. This tournament's been a struggle for Joe Ingles as a shooter. And, you know, he's a veteran, so I, I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, I think that he will figure it out. I think that ultimately he will be fine. But that may change. Like, honestly, like, but that may change. Uh, at a certain point, uh, you know, Ingles is going to fall off. And he's, you know, 36 years old. And we're getting close to the end of his career. He certainly has a game that should age well. But so much of it's reliant on his shot. And I was really excited to see him play because I haven't really sat down and watched him closely. I know he's had some really good games with 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 his national team with the Boomers, uh, but it's it's been a struggle. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't know if I could dismiss it as easily as Paolo struggles from the foul line. Um, maybe we should because Ingles has proven himself time and time and time again. But so much of Ingles' success for this team is going to be tied to shooting. If Ingles hits shots, everything's fine. No one's complaining. If Ingles is struggling to hit shots, well, that's that's going to be a problem. That's going to be an issue in the long run, and that's going to hurt this team uh, in the end. We will see, though, what ends up happening. And and obviously, training camp is in a month. You know, we're not too far away from the start of training camp, so we will see what the Magic ultimately do and, and what he'll ultimately be able to provide the team. Fortunately for the Magic, while that is a big price tag, a two-year, $22 million deal, it is a team option on the second year. So if he does not work out, there's an easy escape clause. Uh, so it does not kill you, although it is a certainly an opportunity cost lost uh, for a team that is trying to break through to the postseason. And, and you hope that the Magic do have the depth to withstand that. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Please find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Switch your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the public signal podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. We will be back again with an episode on Sunday. It'll probably be Sunday evening, early evening, um, just because I have to... Uh, uh, unfortunately watch Northwestern play football on Sunday. Um, and 
that's going to take four hours and probably years off my life. But, um, but we will be back Sunday to recap the final day of the second round, set you up for the quarterfinals of the FIBA World Cup and wish you all a very happy Labor Day. If you're enjoying the Labor Day weekend, please have a fantastic and safe Labor Day. And we will see you all again next time for another episode of Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.